something happens to you when you leave this town. The farther away, the hazier it all gets. But me, I never left. I remember all of it. everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. Today we are discussing It, Chapter 2, directed by Andy Muschietti. This is the same director and about half of the same writing crew as It, Chapter 1 in 2017, directed by Andy Muschietti as well. Um, this time we do not have uh, Kerry Joe Fukunagua and... Chase Palmer on the writing team. Uh, it Chapter 2. This uh, podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com, photo, video, digital media production. EliasRoushMedia.com. Here's a synopsis. It Chapter 2. 27 years after their first encounter with the terrifying Pennywise, the Losers Club has grown up and moved away until a devastating phone call brings them back. So, uh, it chapter two, I'll be honest, I did have really high, uh, I, I, I had high, um, not interpretation, but, uh, expectations for, um, sorry, I don't know why I couldn't remember. I, I had high expectations for it chapter two and just long story short for it chapter one, I gave it a 9 out of 10. I, I thought it was one of the best movies of the year, maybe one of the best movies of the decade, uh, horror movies, that is. I thought it worked on all cylinders. I thought, you know, it was an excellent, excellent horror comedy, and it really touched on a coming-of-age story within these uh, characters, especially the young actors playing all of the characters. Really loved all of the acting, and it just felt natural. It really felt like this was an embodied, lived-in world. So coming into It Chapter 2, I did have high expectations. I'm not going to lie. Um, but having over three, I would say like three-fourths of the uh, first movie's you know, pre-production, you know, backing this production, minus a couple, two of the writers, um, a lot of it is uh, going to be the same. It is... Um, I was hoping it would be the same, you know, same style, same production, kind of same atmosphere, kind of just returning this kind of sort of nostalgia fest that I thought we were going to have. And in a way, it is a nostalgia fest, for better or for worse. Um, let me talk about a couple of things that 
I do like before I talk about anything I don't like or, or I'm not too crazy about. First of all, let's talk about the casting, the look. I think the look of the casting works a lot better than some of the the acting of the casting. Uh, Jessica Chastain is Bev- Beverly. I think she looks a lot more like Beverly than acts like her. Um, kind of the same things for James McAvoy as Bill. Um, one of the probably standout characters you're going to hear about this movie specifically is the character Richie Tozer, played by Bill Hader. And um, Bill Hader is one of my favorite, act, you know, long stand, standing, last 10 years actors just doing phenomenal work on, you know, no matter if he's on SNL or if he's on HBO or if he's on, you know, uh, any sort of type of movie. He's just excellent. And I think this is another uh, uh, really great role for him. Uh, Isaiah Mustafa is the former Old Spice guy, and uh, he plays Mike Hanlon in here. And I'd say the best thing about the performance is the way that they embody the kids. I think that a lot of the, I'd say about half of the adults really embody these kids. And I think it's uh, Bill Hader's character, Isaiah Mustafa, and uh, the kid that plays, or the guy that plays Ben. Ben ends up being, you know, from he goes from being a chubby boy uh, as a, uh, you know, young uh, junior high, you know, kind of little runt into being, uh, you know, a full-on studded actor. Or not actor, but, I mean, he's he's a stud muffin, you know? He's a good-looking guy. And uh, the thing is, you can still see Ben um, Ben's face within this guy. I don't know. It's, it's weird even seeing uh, the casting. It almost does seem like they really did, uh, you know, word for word. They wanted to make sure their eyes lined up, their cheekbones lined up, the way they looked. I, I, I think that... Jay Ryan has been did a really great job. Um, James Ransom, I think he's probably one of the number one characters. I would say that not only looks like the character he plays, but also acts like him. He plays Eddie Kasprak, and he's the guy that's always talking like this. He's got all. He's always got the pills, and he had the mother that was overbearing, and he was crazy. You know, he was my one of my favorite characters in the first It 2017 movie. Um, the young young boy that played him, and. Uh, Played by uh, Jack Dylan Grazer, but the guy they got to play him, James Ranson, just he he just felt like he embodied him. Um, even the guy that played uh, Stanley, um, he was a kind of an always kind of quiet, interesting looking character. And I think the guy that plays him, Andy Bean, my goodness, he he really embodied him uh, as well. Uh, let's talk about Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise. Another fantastic performance by Bill Skarsgård. I think this guy uh, needs to get out of the makeup or into some more makeup or he needs to just do some more work. I want to see him outside of the, the uh, Pennywise lore. I think that he really eats up every scene that he's in as Pennywise almost to a degree that I'm um, I'm almost not scared of him in a way because I'm more fascinated with his performance and the, you know, every, all of the different effects and different types of uh, atmospheres that this guy's making you feel. So, um, it chapter two. Let's talk about. Uh, let's do some more prose. Uh, <laughs> the atmosphere I think is pretty uh, pretty well translated from the first movie. You know, kind of living in this small town where something's not quite right. You know, all the adults are a little eerie and stuff like that. I thought that translated mostly pretty well into this um, 
this movie, um, you, you really get transported back to the city of Derry. I will say the town did feel a little bit underpopulated, unlike the first movie. Um, yeah, so that the that's the atmosphere. The uh, the actual clown Pennywise, like I said, the character, the effects, all of that is excellent. Um, and uh, I also talked about the character of Eddie embodying um, my favorite character. Um, I. My favorite character being Eddie, I thought, was not only looked, but also played exactly like what you would expect him to be. So, we've uh, we've talked a few minutes about some of the good things about this movie, but let's... Yeah, I gotta do it to you. I, I'm sorry. Everyone that really liked this movie, I'm... Uh... I'm 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 sorry. I'm I'm gonna have to do it to you. X gonna give it to you. X gonna he's gonna give it to you. He's gonna give it to you. Um, I will say before I go in and say anything negative about this or you know not so hot about this movie things. I, I'm a little bit more. Uh, uh, I feel like I'm a little bit more perceptive about. I will say that, or I, I'm aware that I might be nitpicking here and there. I will say I, I saw a lot of Twitter. Um, or I saw a lot of uh, tweets on Twitter regarding this movie, and the majority of people seem pretty positive coming out of it. Um, the not-so-positive reviews are coming from critics and people that uh, I hear and listen to online. So let's talk about the cons real quick. Uh, oh, so the cons. This movie is two hours and 49 minutes, and there is absolutely no reason that needs to be that long. Um, apparently, this movie was originally I don't know, three or four hours when it first was edited, and then they edited it down to like three hours, and now they finally edited it down to uh, two hours and 40, 49 minutes. It's too damn long. It doesn't need to be this long. Um, I'm, I just I don't really see... In comparison to the two hours and fifteen minutes, the, why was that extra thirty minutes in here? It, it it just felt way too damn long. The pacing and direction, I would say, they kind of go hand in hand. Felt stop and go, stop and go, stop and go. I never felt like that was the case in the first it twenty seventeen movie. I thought the first it twenty seventeen had a very nice. Uh, introduction and pacing into the world of dairy, who these characters are and what the problem is, and then how to solve the problem. This felt like it was just like, you know, shove it down in there, shove it, you gotta take this storyline, you gotta shove it, and you gotta take it, and it was just like, it felt so <laughs> un, um, unnatural in a way to, you know, gathering, you know, the crew back together, the Losers Club, it did feel, you know, it, it, it felt rushed and ill-directed and in going along with the pacing, uh, it starts off very uh, uh, grimacingly, I guess, if what I would say. Or it, it's very dark at the beginning, not just like the the way it looks, but just the the violence it entails, or, or sorry, entails uh, at the beginning. That's kind of unnecessary and almost never addressed again. Um, so the tone of it is just instantly uh, way too. Uh, I want to say ju it, it jumps the shark, but it, it's not even jumping the shark. It just feels like it has its hands in too many genres, and it doesn't know which ones they want to really, uh, I don't know, use. They, they, it just too many, almost too many cooks in the kitchen kind of thing is what it felt like. Um, and the story just suffers along uh, because of the pacing and the tone. Uh, because it is so... Uh, 
crazy and violent at some points with this real world violence versus this fantastical or psychological violence or, uh, you know, horror, it doesn't always translate well. And it, like I said, the suffer, uh, the story suffers because of it. Um, the way they treat mental illness in this, uh, once again, movies just got to be careful the way they're, you know, treating, uh, these types of subjects. I know that John Travolta was just in a ridiculous movie about uh, 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 someone with mental illness, or sorry, not with mental illness, but they have uh, they're on the spectrum of some sorts, and they go crazy, and they they end up going on a rampage of killing a bunch of people. And it's like John Travolta had used uh, he had a son that passed away that was also on the spectrum. And so you would think that people that had interact, uh, interacted with, you know, people uh, that have uh, been going through, um, you know, the similar symptoms or have, you know, talked to people or, or if they have family members that are on the spectrum, that you're probably going to have a more than less positive take on the person, not so much negative and so much uh uh, I don't know, hostility, I guess, or passive aggressiveness. I don't know. It just feels like when you're talking about these people with mental illness, it just uh, they're just instantly categorized as crazy, and I just fundamentally don't agree with that. Um, I will say one of the miscasts for me that I thought was going to be do a lot better, and I generally like him in the majority of things he's in, is James McAvoy. I thought that this guy, well, I, knowing he has you know somewhat of an accent, I could kind of tell he was kind of covering it a little bit. I, I don't know if that affected it or not because he's in the movie Glass and he plays like 20, 20 something different personalities, and I felt like he needed to grab one of those personalities and t- t- attach it to this character because he felt so dry, and the character he needed to be was almost a more likable character. He he needed to have more gravitas, I think. And uh, I think McAvoy sometimes comes off cold in in some scenes. Not not that it's his fault. It's just the the tone and, and the the atmosphere just did not uh, serve him in a way that made him feel likable and approachable, like he needs to be in this movie. Um, along with uh, the other actors that I wasn't too crazy about, Jessica Chastain. Um, I was getting flashbacks of Dark Phoenix, Phoenix having her in this. I don't know why. I don't. I guess it's, I've only saw that movie once, but and she was just she looked bored in that. But uh, I thought that Ch- Jessica Chastain did okay in this, and she only she looks more like Bev than she acts like Bev, in my opinion. Um, Bev had this very spark, sparkly, bright. Um, uh, kind of punk personality in a way and I never felt like Chastain ever uh, geared into that um, or channel of Bev I always felt like Bev was always one of the uh, you know she's basically one of the guys that just hang out with hung out with the guys um, but you know she just happened to be a, a, a young girl um, I don't know i Mixed feelings on on that casting, honestly. Um, really wanted my Amy Adams in there, but we we got the sharp objects for that. Um, let's just see. Okay, so one initial thought I had after watching it several, you know, the next day, 
I saw it last night at this point. Um, most of the cast felt like they were in different movies. Um, the seven, I don't know, the seven, you know, individuals in the Losers Club, I felt like, you know, Eddie and Richie thought they were in a comedy. Um, we had uh, Bill, who thought he was in uh, a, a drama. Uh, Jessica Chastain was in a romantic horror drama with Ben. And uh, what does that leave Mike? Mike is in like uh, an almost a schlocky, campy horror movie. And uh, yeah, it, it really did feel like everyone is in different movies. And it doesn't, for me personally, doesn't ever translate into a cohesive storyline. And given that it's three hours, it just left me hanging, thinking, wow, they could have done so much more with, you know, this character, that character. They should have done this, that, and the other. And I was thinking, you know, I don't want to, you know, start crafting my own movie for the, you know, when I'm reading it on the podcast saying they should have done this, that, and the other. But it does feel like this movie might have benefited it better if they would have had extra time or if they would have released this in uh, 2020, we would have had a slightly better story written out. Um I'm not sure if the loss of uh, Fuku- uh, Kerry, Kerry Fukunaga uh, really was that big of an impact, but evidently I felt like whatever they were bringing, whatever they had going in the, in the first movie, I felt really worked. It was uh, the coming-of-age story with all of these uh, interesting characters that had all of these uh, fleshed-out backgrounds, and we cared about them. And I really felt like in the second movie we just kind of dropped the ball on why we care about these characters. Like, I didn't feel like, even going throughout the movie, I didn't feel like there was growth or progression in a way that made it feel like it was uh, satisfying at the ending. I mean, uh, regardless, I'm not going to say, you know, uh, what happens at the end, but personally, I was left in an unsatisfied area that left too many topics on the table, left too many, you know... Uh, dangling threads. I just was not, uh, I really was not thrilled about it. And quite honestly, I was uh, feeling pretty down. I was, uh, I I felt like the last like maybe 15 minutes, I felt like I was swallowing an an apple whole. I was just like, this is a lot more of a, a downer than I was expecting it for me personally. I know that a lot of people were enjoying it and um, have a lot of good things to say, but I haven't heard anyone say that they this movie made them feel, you know, uh, depressed or down or just, you know, not in a satisfied state. Um, but honestly, I had to watch, like, some uh, some cartoons or comedy to go to sleep before. I, it wasn't even because I was, like, scared or anything. It was just like, damn, I really just feel down right now. And, I, you know, normally... Especially the way the the first movie ended, I was like, "Wow, I you know I had a a blast, I had a great time," and coming out of the second in the first one, I was sorry at the end of the first one, I was like, "I can't watch wait to watch this again," and I did. I've watched the first one you know ten plus times. The second one, I was thinking, would I watch this again? I was thinking, not only would I not watch this again. I wouldn't turn this on television. I I'm having a hard time recommending it. It's it's very it's honestly disappointing to me personally. I was very uh, I don't know if my um, expectations were way too through the roof or if 
the you know the likability of the first one just didn't translate to the second one, or if it's got that sophomore slump. I it's it's a combination of things, but ultimately it's that list of uh, you know the pacing, the tone, the story, and the way they treat the characters. Uh, uh, I, I thought that, and it's entirely too long as well. Um, the, it does kind of become a little tiring on the set piece after set piece after set piece. Um, also, there is some interesting CGI going on with the characters. Apparently, they have some CGI. Uh, obviously, they got the CGI going on with the monsters. You know, the graphics and stuff, the computer graphics on the monsters. Um, I thought they generally looked okay. They did not look nearly as uh, uh, scary as the first It. I felt like the first It, one of the things about it was the uh, the fact that it didn't use too much CGI or it used very minimal. It seemed to have a lot of practical, practical effects to it. Um, let me see if I can find the budget for It 2. It chapter... Two budget. So, oh wow. Let me see. It, chapter two. It, chapter two opens below it with a thirty-seven million Friday. Huh. Let me see if I can find how much this movie cost. Because I feel like this movie overall was. Um, Oh, it's not available. I can't find the budget for uh, on Box Office Mojo. Anyways, I know that the first movie was um, thirty-five million dollars on uh, on the first it twenty seventeen, and so this one um, I have no idea, but ended up grossing ninety-one million dollars this opening weekend. Um, but I, it just felt like a lot of uh, I'm seeing on Wikipedia is anywhere from sixty to eighty million. Um, so we'll be safe and say they doubled the budget, but I felt like the budget for this only went to special. It went to uh, special effects and not like practical effects or anything that would really serve the story better, or you know having another writer come on. Honestly, um, but yeah, there was. Um, it's a loose slash thin storyline that brings everyone together and has them going throughout this entire. Um, uh, I don't know this roller coaster of a ride. I compared uh, the the first it to a funhouse, and it too. Um, let me see. If it one is a funhouse, it too is a funhouse. But then someone insults you at the very end. I don't know. <laughs> someone someone says something really terrible about you and you make it makes you feel bad when you're leaving the park or something. That's what this funhouse felt like. I don't, I don't know. It, I felt like I didn't want to watch this movie again. I didn't want to I was hard, it's hard to recommend. Um it's technically well done for uh, a horror film. And I guess because it is a horror film, it is technically what I'd say, you know, uh, a higher production of a horror film than a, than than not, but uh, yeah, I just the more I think about it, the more let down I was from the uh, overall movie. But anyways, let's uh, talk about it, chapter two, and spoilers.
So we are in the spoiler section for It Chapter 2. So, uh, okay, a couple of the drop plot lines. At the very beginning, uh, there is a gay beating or a gay bashing or whatever. I don't remember exactly what the terminology is called. Um, Anti-LGBT group ends up beating the fuck out of... uh, a gay man and throwing him all, and beating him up in front of his lover or in front of his uh, boyfriend and throwing him off a bridge. And from there, the, the, um, the guy is drowning and then he's picked up by Pennywise out of the river. And then Pennywise eats the heart of the gay man in front of um, his boyfriend and so I'm hearing a lot of people talk about the way this movie opens up, saying it's way too intense. I didn't sign up for all that. You know, where did this come from with this real-world violence versus, you know, this uh, the violence of, uh, you know, Pennywise taking uh, a shape of something or turning into a zombie or something, which that's another drop pl- uh, plot line. <laughs> um, personally, I was a little... Sh- I was a little shook from the uh, the quote-unquote gay bashing. Um, it wasn't as intense as I had expected. Um, it, it was really bad, and knowing that shit really happens, you know, out there in the real world is absolutely heinous and horrible. And, uh, you know, if we could stop it, obviously, just like that, obviously we would. Um, I know the reason that they found it was important to talk about was because Stephen King or, or show Stephen King had uh, someone in in his real in real life in his town was beat. I think he was gay, and I think his name. I don't want to say his name a hundred percent was Charlie Harris, but it, I want to say it was uh, Charlie, uh, a man named Charlie in his uh, town. He was beat by a couple of uh, assholes just like this. And uh, the way this opens up, it's, it's really fucking intense. I mean, it, very similar to the way the first It opens up with the 2017 version, you know, munching off uh, Georgie's arm and then taking Georgie into the sewer, which is, you know, quite, you know, it's crazy on the face of it because we don't see that type of shit. We don't see kids getting, you know, killed left and right on uh On regular media, I'd say television, movies generally, we don't see kids taken or, you know, uh, killed uh, generally. Um, But I will say the the, the gay beating, the gay gay bashing or whatever you want to call it, um, yeah, it's going to traumatize some people starting off with that. Um, And it it was difficult to start off uh, watching that. It did kind of jump the shark when uh, it decides to, you know, unleash the, the teeth and munch out his heart. I was like, this is ridiculous. This is like some crazy, just dumb shit. Um, and that's when it kind of took me out of the realm of the gay bashing. Because, I mean, the guy's beat and he's thrown into the river. So once he's thrown into the river, if he was, you know, killed after that somehow or, if, you know, pulled under the water, you know, that's probably just as bad. It, it did take me out that his heart was eaten by uh, it, though. I thought that I was like, what the fuck? And the fact that we don't get 
any resolution throughout the entire movie is that's um that's minus a point right there. I mean, it's it just seems like story storytelling 101. You always want to kind of refer back to whatever was initially the cause or at least referred to it a couple times. I think they offhandedly talk about this beating in one scene and we see the zombie uh version of the guy that was beaten and had his heart eaten out. Um that is it. I was just like this that's just either sloppy editing or it's just bad storytelling. I don't know. Um and then after that, it just it goes to each of the individuals, uh, you know, all seven of the uh, adults, all grown up, and it shows how they're, you know, dealing. Excuse me, how they're dealing with everyone, uh, you know, left and right in their in their lives, whether they're you know they're been and they're running the news, uh, sorry, running the news, running uh, corporate offices and stuff like that, or. Uh, uh, James McAvoy character Bill gotten uh, a wreck, and then Stanley ends up killing himself. It, uh, it's a uh, kind of a dark opening. I mean, having uh, Bev having her uh, boyfriend just instantly start beating her is like one of the first scenes we see her in. It, it really sets a tone of well, what the fuck? It just feels like so. This is what the characters have been doing, you know. It, I understand that it's like all of a sudden he's back twenty-seven years later, and when just even talking about it, remembering it has shit going haywire in their life. But I thought it was seriously ill-toned to have Bev just just punched by her husband, or but sorry, by her boyfriend or whoever the fuck that guy was. I, I was kind of unclear. Um, but I I understood that it had like similarities to how uh, her father was treating her and whatnot. But I was just like, this is too on the fucking nose, and this is honestly just too much. So it goes from it opens with the, the gay bashing, you know, car wrecks, people killing, you know, one of the main seven killing themselves, uh, Bev being beaten, and this is all within the first forty five minutes. And I'm just like, this is uh, it, it left a bad taste in my mouth coming out the gate, and so, um. There are also uh, people that were killed in the first movie, the repercussions and stuff like that, like uh, the, the bullies, Bowers. Uh, we see what happens to him. Uh, the police basically uh, arrest him and send him in a mental, in- mental institution. And uh, Bowers is uh, approached by one of the zombie bullies in the from the first movie and that zombie bully, uh, I don't remember his name. He's one of the. He ends up going missing. He he gives Bowers back his uh, his knife or something like that and helps him escape. It was so stupid just seeing this entire storyline. Um, just terribly stupid. Um, and also, again, with the mental illness. I mean, this guy is in uh, some sort of a. I don't know if he's in an asylum, but he's in some like psych ward or something. And showing him do all this is just insane. And then to have him only come back for a couple of jokes with him trying to stab Eddie at some point, and he ends up does stabbing Eddie in the cheek. Uh, I was just like, oh my gosh. Um, I just felt like Bowers was there for just plot convenience and because they wanted to have some some similarities. I, I don't remember. I, I haven't read the book, for one thing, and I don't remember uh, it. 1990 or whenever that one came out uh 
but I like a lot of the, the stuff. I, I felt like if 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 this was happening in the books, if this was happening in the previous miniseries, they could have edited. It. They could have worked it. They they like showing uh, Bowers escaping uh, the asylum, and then the zombies like driving the cars like. Bruh. We gotta go. You know, it's like he. Did, I I was just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? It 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 just drove me through the roof uh, of believability. I I was just like, what the fuck am I watching right now? Um, at that point, I knew this was this was uh, you know headed for the wrong direction. I was like, this is not the destination I wanted to go on. This was not the trip I was looking for. But. Uh, yeah, so along with uh, the gay beating, the Beverly being beat, the, the suicide of one of the seven, the zombie that's apparently driving, and the set piece after set piece that just got so repetitive. I felt like it was Mike's explanation for you need to go get one of the things, you know, one of the things that help you remember, of, you know, what was going on in this town, or you know, so everyone has to go split up, and they even address how stupid it is to split up. It is stupid to split up. They unintentionally do it in the first movie because they have to go home, they're kids, but like in this movie, they couldn't figure out a better way to say, hey, let's go check out some of the cool stuff we used to do. Let's go, you know. Let's go hang out and check out, you know, Old Town, Downtown Dairy. It just felt like most of them were just, like, following Mike because he was telling them all the stuff he had been learning over the couple years, and none of them were questioning it, saying, you know, uh, maybe this is a bad idea. I mean, at one point, I swear they do. They say this is a bad idea and go and do it anyway. It's... uh, some of the the, uh, the story just just lacks just lacks hard. I felt like there could have been so much. I don't know, it was easier it, easier ways to show this nostalgia fest. Because basically, what it feels like this this it two movie is trying to retread everything that happens in chapter one, plus show us additional story in chapter two, but also showing clips of what happened. At that summer during it, when it came uh, to Derry, and then showing them interacting with it now, it's so much information. It's too damn long. I don't know what the thinking was. I have heard that they are thinking of doing an it one and it two uh, super version or uh, supercut where it has both versions put together. It's not like back to back, but they have. Uh, one full cut where you would have them like flashing back as kids. And I'm curious if that would work a little bit better than this cut would. Although the thing is, the way this movie's functioned and the way it's uh, situated as, it's almost identical to the first It in the way of pacing. It's like, you know, get them all together and then separate everybody. Pennywise goes scares the living Jesus out of everybody. And then after that, <laughs> um, they uh, they come together and start forming a plan. They end up going, you know, visiting the monster house. And then uh, and then from there, de- uh, finding out how to defeat it. But it just feels like there's so many detours. And, and each one of these characters have to have some interaction with it. Um, 
it becomes so repetitive in nature. And what I heard Double Toasted uh, talking about was it felt like they were on a, a treadmill. And at one point, it did feel like I was on a treadmill because I was like, okay, so uh, your, our main character is going to go to kind of a darker, scary location. They're going to see someone or something, and that someone or something is going to probably be possessed or taken over by it, ending up in some sort of scary CGI monster and uh, with large teeth. And I think that happened three to four times uh, for like 40 minutes in the middle of the movie. And I was like, this is too damn much, too repetitive. Get this out of here. So um, the one that specifically I, I was like, all right, so this doesn't even make sense. It was the uh, the lumberjack that came to life. I think that one started to look like a, uh, a – I had heard Bald Move talking about saying it looked like a Tim Burton um, – monster or something like that and i was thinking some of these uh monsters are starting to look like uh what's it called goosebumps the goosebumps movie is what i was thinking of i was like this looks goofy in a way i'm not scared necessarily by any of this and and the weird most of it was every time it would try to you know go through the process of scaring the you know the individual um it became less and less scary because he never did anything past that. He would just scream and run at the person. It's like, do something, you know. Uh, the environment would change, but, like, other than that, I felt like I was in a safe environment, generally, the majority of the movie, until the very end. And they fucking had to kill my favorite character, Eddie. I, like I said, I was, I felt like I was eating an entire apple for the last, like, 10 to 20 minutes of this movie. Eddie wasn't was a great character. He wasn't like I not none of these characters except for maybe Bill Hader's character is Richie. I really felt connected to. And that's just because I felt like he embodied him, looked and acted like him. So did so did uh uh the Eddie character and the Richie character. They both embodied and acted like kind of their counterpart, you know, the younger doppelganger kind of uh but uh overall uh, I was just really pissed off that they killed the Eddie character. It felt like he didn't need to go the way he did. I don't... Uh, because the powers of it were so ill-defined through this movie, and he could just turn into anything, do, into, do anything to anyone, basically turn, make people uh, uh, possessed and stuff like that, it seemed so difficult to, to to get a grasp about like how to defeat this monster except for straight up insulting him at the very end and i don't having eddie get stabbed at the very end just kind of the more i think about it, it did feel cheap i kind of i guess i wanted it to be uh, a more noble sacrifice in a way because eddie stabs it and then it falls back on uh you know something that stabs him and sort of deflates him from being the the spider big giant spider thing he is but it in the first it it's all about not you know conquering your fears and that it, it turns into their worst fears like for beverly he turns into a fa his father uh her father and then you know for stanley it turns into that scary painting looking lady which we see in this uh, a little bit um and then, 
for uh, Bill, it turned into Georgie. I just felt like those were really on the nose, but they made made sense like they're on the nose. It made sense why they were confronted with those fears. For this movie, it didn't feel like they were doing anything but insulting the clown and saying he's not strong. Even though you, you've got this you know, crazy power to you know, change everything, it didn't feel like he was... Um, I don't know. He it, it didn't feel like that was the real weakness, and losing Eddie because of that. One of the one of my favorite characters from it, uh, twenty seventeen. I was just like, this is this is a downer. So I was uh, telling Kelly about this. I was like, all right. So at the very end, <laughs> I was like, we have to see Eddie die, and then we see Bill Hader cry about it, like immediately as he finds out Eddie's dead. I was like, okay, so that's, you know, that's kind of a downer. And then he's upset. When he immediately finds out Eddie's dead, he, he's upset. And then he, he finds out that they can't bring, they can't carry Eddie out of the monster house for whatever reason. I couldn't tell you why. So they leave his body in the house. And so we, we have to go outside. And Bill Hader's upset again over Eddie. You know, he's screaming, Eddie, Eddie, you know, we, they, they left him inside. Um, and they, they, he was dead by this point. Um, still could have took his body. I don't know. Um, and then we go continue with the nostalgia fest and going to, uh, the Creek at the end and they all jump in the Creek. And by this point I was, you know, I was kind of, you know, down. I was like, I don't know how I feel about the end of this movie. It's just happening. And it just continues. And the movie continues. It's probably five or 10 minutes after it dies they're still going and they're somewhat kind of doing this nostalgia morning fest of, you know, them jumping back in the creek where they had jumped in, you know, 27 years before. Um, think, I guess they're not in the undies this time. They're tidy whiteies. Uh, they're fully dressed. Uh, but, um, yeah, so everyone's swimming and they're kind of doing a shot for shot remake with everyone kind of swimming. This is when Bev and Ben get together, which this really is the only tie-in for Ben. I felt like Ben didn't have anything to do except for uh, think about possibly being, uh, you know, heavy and lonely again because that was his big thing. And it's like, dude, he is gorgeous right now. <laughs> like, he does not have to worry about that. And Beverly is into it. She's, um, she kisses Ben at this point, and uh, then we turn the camera over and we see. <laughs> Uh, Richie is upset again because uh, Eddie's not there, and uh, yeah, it's it's upsetting to see Bill Hader have to cry like on separate occasions, three or four times uh, throughout the last little bit of the movie, and then so they all console um, Richie at that point again, and then they're going through the slow mo dairy, um, or they're going through uh, dairy in slow motion and they're looking their reflection and all of a sudden they go from old to young and then they realize you know it's this kind of the full circle coming of age kind of thing and i was just thinking wow i feel really down right now and old at the same time <laughs> i was like this is depressing on multiple levels and then they have this slow-mo scene with all of them riding their bikes down dairy and smiling as kids and of course, they go for you know the Bill, the the Richie, the uh, the Beverly, the Mike. Uh, you know they go through the entire cast, the Stanley, and then finally they end up on Eddie. And I was just I was so close to to tears 
you know, because just seeing these kids kind of grow up is, uh, it, it, and enjoying these, enjoying that first movie at least is quite a nostalgia fest just for me personally because it's only been two years, but even watching these two movies, it does feel like they've grown up a lot, um, even with the flashbacks that they're in, the limited flashbacks that they're in. Uh, they were still good, still excellent. Um, so, yeah, and then seeing Eddie's face at the end uh, about tore me up. And I was just like, I was like, at this point, I was like, I don't know what to do or say. But, you know, I, my thing is I always think that movies – or media is supposed to make you feel something. And if it makes you feel something, if you're happy, you're sad, you're excited, you're scared, it, it, it's making you feel something. And that is the purpose of it. The thing is, is that what you want to feel at the end of the movie? And for me personally, I don't know. I Eddie was my favorite character. The way he went out, eh, I don't know. The way Pennywise went out, eh, turned into like a small baby thing. <laughs> I don't know, it was kind of weird. Uh, but anyways, uh, overall, this movie did make me feel something. It's not the movie I wanted it to be, but it ended up being, uh, a not bad horror flick, just not the follow-up I was looking for. Uh, so I gave this a 7 out of 10, and, uh, with that, I'm closing it, Chapter 2, on this massive, uh, uh, the the book apparently is like I don't know if it's two thousand pages, but long as fuck is from what I heard. If they do a supercut, I'm not sure I'm gonna watch it. Honestly, it would be interesting to see uh, what we end up doing or what they end up doing. But uh, overall, I know this is doing pretty good at the box office right now. I had really high interpretation, er, high impressions for it. Sorry high expectations for it, but, um, you know what, I, uh, I thought it was, um, a solid horror movie is what I would say. Thank you for listening to the Lucky Dog Podcast. Check out all the other Lucky Dog Podcasts at gmail.com. If you're interested in the It Chapter 1 review, uh, just scroll down just a little bit and you'll find that, um, posted just the other day. Uh, we're going through doing a Mr. Robot review, uh, rewatch on season one at the moment and hopefully we're catching up through season three for the season four premiere at the beginning of october um one of my favorite shows mr robot excellent um we just checked out uh travis scott's look mom i can fly documentary on netflix just checked out midsummer 2019 good boys 2019 and uh Succession on HBO, one of my new favorite television shows that I'm uh, currently watching season two on. And we've got uh, a recap for one of those, uh, the opening season, and we'll have an ending uh, podcast for the end of Succession as well. So be sure to check out all these podcasts coming down the tube. I appreciate you listening to the Lucked Out podcast. We cannot do this without you. Um, Check out SoundCloud, rate us on Apple iTunes. If you're feeling generous, son, then throw a quarter or a dollar or who knows what. Um, <laughs> uh, PayPal.me slash Podcast. Um, thank you for listening. And uh, we have a lot of listeners coming from, uh, obviously, the States as usual. But um, And I appreciate everyone in the States. Don't think I don't. Um, but outside the States, we have a large uh, Pakistanian uh audience italian um 
uh, people from the UK chiming in, uh, all Germany's coming in, um, Poland, a little bit of Iran, Egypt, uh, we got some Middle Eastern love out there, so we appreciate it, Peru, some some Latin, okay, I like that, Netherlands, I see you, Switzerland, thank you for listening, and take it easy. forget to mention that the uh, elderly lady that happened to be possibly a descendant or a daughter of Pennywise like there is kind of a big plot uh, plot line there and they just barely touch on it I I just think this is a uh, one of those things that go along with drop plot lines and if they would have just had a little extra time to pan it out or make it make more sense or if we could have found out who maybe Pennywise was, you know, back in the day. Or if it, I thought he was just a recreation of all our fears and just kind of manifestation of it. But I don't know. It, it did seem like this guy might actually have a backstory. And for some reason, they just kind of half-assed it, half-wrote it, half-baked it. Oh. <sighs>